On R2C2, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco guide listeners through everything going on in the MLB, NBA, and NFL. They also talk to friends, athletes, and celebrities about the world of sports and much more. Check out R2C2 with CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the mismatch presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over 95 live channels for sports, news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Friday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Kindness. Kevin! Berno! What's going on? How you doing? Well, we are kind of in the middle of the dog days, I guess, you know, where we're, we, we, we've gotten past the trade deadline, the all-star break, and then the trade deadline. And now we have this space for a couple of weeks before we get to the home stretch. And we really start paying attention to the standings every single day yep. to see who those 10 teams that are at least going to have a shot at being in the playoffs are in each conference, but there's still interesting stuff that is going on. Um, a week it. ago, you and I talked about the trade deadline and we talked about these guys that were moving teams and also the, the buyout market. And we kind of covered that on Tuesday. We had a couple of the debuts last night. Uh, we saw LaMarcus Aldridge not only playing for the Nets, but starting for the Brooklyn Nets it last night. Good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, uh, the revitalization that takes place by putting on a Nets uniform is truly <laughs> astounding. Uh, Blake Griffin hadn't dunked in two years, and all of a sudden he dunks on his first play as a Brooklyn Net, and there seems to be a new lease on life for LaMarcus Aldridge. His teammates are going crazy on the sideline. Uh, you know They were doing it without James Harden last night in that game against Charlotte, but the... You know, we talk about the instant reviews for guys. The instant reviews for LaMarcus Aldridge have to be extremely good uh, considering he got that start and he performed. You know, it's crazy. Despite the fact he's missed games this season, he still has more post-ups than anybody in the league this year. <laughs> and he's been very efficient this year too, Chris. And in last night's game, according to Second Spectrum, he posted up 15 times, 
scored an elite, a dominant one and a half points per chance on mm. those post-ups. And the Hornets at times sometimes kept them in single coverage. Aldridge just got into his turnaround or overpowered them. If they doubled or showed help, he kicked it out to a wide open shooter. And those are the situations in which in the playoffs, the Nets are just going to destroy people and why they are my pick to win the NBA finals on the offensive end of the floor. They can attack whatever matchup that they want. And with Marcus Aldridge, you have one of the best post players in the NBA, a good passer out of the post who, when he's surrounded by KD and Harden and Kyrie and Joe Harris, he's going to be able to pick apart defenses there. And we're going to see a lot more switching as the year goes on. And also though, the big question with the Nets is not offense, Chris though, is it? It's defense. Yep. And with right. Aldridge, I thought, you know, at six eleven with a seven, four, seven, five wingspan, he looked like he put in better effort playing in their drop pick and roll coverage. He looked at least, you know, 95% as good as what DJ provides in that drop pick and roll coverage, um, if not better. So I think for them, another guy with size, another guy who can rebound a bit for you and give way more on offense than DeAndre Jordan can, who got a DNP last night. Um, we're going to see, we're going to see a lot of Aldridge and Claxton, Chris. Right? I think that's what we learn about what takes place with this team uh, in conjunction with signing Aldridge, which is what it has enabled them to do, no matter how much he is going to play, is that it enables them to not have to play DeAndre Jordan. Yeah. And I'm I'm not here to just slander him completely, but the numbers are the numbers. And in fact, uh, I saw this stat this morning that was posted by uh, Tommy Breer, which was unbelievable. And it was that with Nick Claxton on the court this season, the Nets were outscoring their opponents by more than 15 points per 100 possessions with Deandre Jordan on the court this season. The Nets are being outscored by their opponents. That is unbelievable. You mm. wouldn't think you you would think you could put me out there <laughs> and they're not going to get outscored. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but DeAndre Jordan, and that's just, and that's Nick Claxton, who's just getting his first you know real run in the NBA. Uh, but it just shows how dismal they have been with Jordan on the court. There should be no scenario. If I could throw Nick Claxton in there and be a over a plus fifteen, like how is it possible that when I've got DeAndre Jordan in there, I'm a negative? <laughs> um, and yet here we go. He says total minutes. Uh, Logged in the fourth quarter over the Nets last nine games, Nick Claxton 74, DeAndre Jordan zero. And so that was Mm -hmm. so that was already taking place, right? They had already made the move from Nick Claxton or from DeAndre Jordan to Nick Claxton, especially, and that's when you know when when it matters most. Um, and now it's a little bit easier too now if you have Aldridge in the fold because it's always hard with a young player taking the place of a veteran, especially a well-liked yeah, veteran like veteran, DeAndre. But a veteran doing it from a veteran yes. is a lot easier for the veteran to stomach. Right. 100%. I hadn't thought about that, Chris. It's That's like, a oh, great it's DeAndre point. Jordan, no big deal. Yeah. You know, or, I mean, it's LaMarcus Aldridge. You know, yep. this guy's been an all-star. This guy's got his bona fides great in the point. NBA. And so it's like, okay, you know, how sour can you be, you know, about about LaMarcus Aldridge? He's better than you. He's always been better than you. And just (laughs) just to add on those numbers, one of the big reasons why DeAndre Jordan has the negative, you know, 
plus minus negative net rating, as Tommy Breyer mentioned in that stat, is because of first quarters. Mm. In first quarters this season, the Nets are being outscored by 10 points per 100 possessions with DeAndre Jordan on the court. And when mm. he's off the court, whenever they pull him out, whoever the backup center is, whether it's like super small ball with Bruce Brown or Nick Claxton out there, without DJ in the first quarter, they outscore teams by 7.3 points per 100 possessions. A great number. You know, so now you're starting games with LaMarcus Aldridge, who, as we just mentioned, provides so much more offensively. He's kind of that connective glue between your stars with his ability to be a guy that can throw the ball down to and he, he can get a bucket for you or find somebody else. And then defensively, like I said, in San Antonio this year, there were times he would like half-heartedly contest shots and it was just an eyesore to watch. I thought last night he did put in better effort and we'll see how sustainable it is. But if a guy's trying, that makes all the difference in the yeah, world. So I told you, you know? Look, uh, Blake Griffin looks like a different player. That Nets jersey, it has a profound effect on these guys. Well, well, um, and with, with Blake, it's also a minutes thing too. Yep. Like with all the injuries Blake Griffin's had, playing 30 minutes, handling the ball as much as he was in Detroit with that much responsibility, he's probably actually able to put in more effort you know, when he's not doing all everything else on the court. Whereas with Aldridge, it sometimes it seemed like a choice uh, with him in San Antonio with Griffin, like all those injuries. I have a hard time saying like it, it was a choice. I think Blake's always played hard. It's just, he couldn't play hard with that much that he had on his plate there. But ultimately though, like it's, it's also human nature, Kevin. It's just also human nature. When you got when you got something to play for, you know, it's it's a different deal than when you are going out there and like <laughs> look, you think Oladipo could play the same way for uh Miami that he was playing for Houston? I mean, come on. It's it's just like if you worked at some crappy place and all of a sudden you went to you went to work at another place where everybody else <laughs> is working hard and the standard is high. Like it is what it is. You're either going to fit in or you're not going to get to play. Right. And so sometimes of course after, these guys, sometimes after hours of losing in war zone at 1am in the morning, you just rage quit. <laughs> you just <laughs> rage quit. You don't have yeah. that button in the NBA though. <laughs> and some guys like some guys have uh, take a while to get heated up in games. Aldridge from the, from the very beginning of time. And this oh, is yeah. like all the way back to Portland. He has always been a first quarter player. Just a bucket. Always. always yes. Right away. Like he, how many times have you watched games where Lamarcus Aldridge scores the first eight points of the game <laughs> all on pick and pops. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I've seen that a thousand times. Uh, they used to do that every time that they would come to Memphis uh, because, you know, Zebo and they would run this same pick and pop the first like four plays of the game. And, and then by the fourth one, Zebo would get out there and be like, come on. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this is annoying. Cause he's, you know, he's 26 feet from the basket and you're pulling away guys that are used to playing under the basket. Now the game's changed where there's certainly a lot more active fours and fives that have to play all the way out to the three point line defensively. But he's always been that guy that in the first quarters um, has been able to put up points. And so when you juxtapose that versus what you were saying about Jordan and how crappy he's been in first quarters. I mean, come on, you're, you're really replacing something now on the other side, uh, you know, and, and this is one of the things that last night showed is it, what this team has been able to show is in the absence of Kevin Durant kept on trucking. And now even like a night like that, like when they lose James Harden, it's like, okay, just keep on going. Like they still can win. They got enough players now. And the one way you thought 
And this is why people, uh, when we covered this on Tuesday, are so resentful about the buyout market is because what you have to sacrifice when you attain James Harden is your depth, right? Like you don't, you don't have that anymore. Like, so that's the price of doing this is that you don't have your depth anymore. Uh, but then they were just able to obviously acquire depth, right? Now they have depth. Now they have guys that, that if, if their guys are out, James Harden could sit out. They could still win basketball games. It's crazy. And they still have a roster spot. Yes. We'll see what they use that on because they, they did sign Eliza Johnson from the G League. He had a nice game for them earlier this week. You know, versatile, six foot seven, six foot eight, big guy. It's quit switch screens for you, handle the ball a bit, maybe back into their bench, or maybe yeah. there'll be another surprise buyout <laughs> to come down the line to, to anger everybody again. We'll see Who what knows? happens. They do have yep. that spot, though. Oladipo made his debut last night. Not some kind of huge statistical night, but they. They did a, you know, I watched uh, a lot of this game uh, before I ended up flipping over to another one that I'll get to later. But this was one of the closer games that was on the early slate. And they were, the the attention that Curry gets, you know, when they're playing somebody like oh, yeah. the Heat is just extreme. And it enabled Wiggins to go off in the first half. And then the second half, Wiggins, you know, did next to nothing uh, as compared to what he did in the first half, and it became harder and harder. And Jimmy Butler, with about uh, with about three minutes left in the half, he had he had taken four shots and he made his first bucket. And then you looked up in the third quarter uh, or the beginning of the fourth, and he's got like twenty one already. I mean, he turned up, and it felt like the Heat were kind of biding their time. Um, it wasn't extremely noticeable, honestly. The, the Oladipo minutes, and I think that speaks to what we talked about, which is he now has found a place where he, he just got to fit in. You know, they're already good. It is the benefit. What we just talked about with Aldridge is the same with Oladipo. That team's already good, right? They got good players, right? You don't have to go there and be a savior. You don't have to go there and take 15 shots. Like, you just play defense Pick your spots. Some nights it's going to be your night. Other nights it's going to be Butler's. Other nights it's going to be Heroes. Other nights it's going to be Duncan Robinson's, Goran Dragic, whoever it may be, Bam Adebayo. Like, you just kind of fit in there, and it's going to be interesting to see Oladipo more as kind of a role player. Uh, it's been a long time, I guess. Yeah, you know, even sure. back to maybe that, that Oklahoma City season with Westbrook, he was a little more than a role player there, but it's been a while since we've seen Victor Oladipo just fit in. I I mean, last night, the stat line is not super impressive, as you no. said, Chris. See, I mean, nothing pops out, nothing even worthy of discussing all that much. I do think the defensive effort was great from Oladipo last night. He had one play uh, where there should have been a kickball, and he hustled back on defense and took a charge. Just little moments like that where you're making up for something that happened. You're not growing frustrated after a non-call. There should have been a whistle. There wasn't. Gets back on defense, makes the play. That's what Oladipo will add to their defense. What Miami really does need him to do, though, is they do need him to be a scorer. Like their offense has really sputtered a lot this season. It is not the same as what we saw in the bubble. Oladipo with the slashing that he could provide, the downhill attacking, getting to the rim, kicking it out to shooters. At some point, for Miami to be a championship team and not just a fun or tough playoff opponent, we're going to have to see that version of Oladipo. And maybe we will. I mean, this is just game one and like not reading too much into it. But overall, 
you know, I liked his debut, but we'll see how that offense develops over the course of time. And it also just helps them with their depth so much oh, in yeah. terms of guys not just being able to pick on Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, which is what they were doing at the beginning of the season. And inevitably, when you get to the playoffs, they're going to start seeking guys out. And he is not a guy that you can pick on, right? He, he is. I mean, and, and the other thing is they were getting literally nothing out of Avery Bradley. So really, you just, the only thing you've lost off your depth is the the Kelly Olenek minutes, which you can fill. And you did get Bielitsa for that role yeah. too, you know? Yeah, and he plays. Yeah, he's he's a solid player. You, you know what I mean? Like, oh, I mean, he's they're already giving him pretty significant yeah. minutes. Yeah, uh, Pat, right Pat Riley after that trade deadline talked about you know getting Bielitsa for them was because of losing Kelly Olenek. I mean, he spoke about the loss and the importance of Olenek, and you know, so good good trade deadline for them. And yeah, I, it is I, this this team. Like, if Oladipo can get back, even, don't forget Trevor Ariza as well. Yep, from a couple of days before the deadline. Mm-hmm. If Oladipo can return to All Star level, Victor Oladipo, do you think this team has a chance to? I think ma- that they ma- are still just like we talked. We talked about this all year last year. Look. They are still going to be a bitch to deal with when you get to the playoffs. Jimmy Butler can still be the best guy on the floor in a series. And, you know, Bam got banged up there uh, in the playoffs last year. Certainly he did in the finals. But the Bielita thing, much like Olenek, um, you know, it's another big that stretches the floor. It gives those guys space. Because there was at one point, I'm watching that game last night, and I think uh, Butler hit a three. And I'm going to get the number wrong, but... My son, uh, who watches these games with me, he turned to me and he said, what? Is that real? I think they said he it, it was like the 14th three or something crazy like that, that he had hit this season. And he was like, he's only hit. It was less than 20. It was shocking. How many threes? He said Jimmy 14 B- of 68. 14 of 68. 14. So, yep, 21% My son could year, not believe 14. that was real. <laughs> the announcer said that. And he said, That's he's wild. only had 14 threes. I said, man, he just doesn't shoot him. <laughs> just doesn't shoot him. 14 all season, which is just insane. Oh, you know, yeah. when he did it, I mean, look, that that epic, you know, historic game. Uh, what was that? Five? Five or six? It was five, right? Uh, game five last year in the NBA finals. Um, I mean, he wasn't shooting threes in that either. He just had this crazy game and that's on the highest, highest, highest level. And so he can do it no matter. And I would just say, look, they got to have everybody healthy. They got to have Dragic healthy. They got to have these guys, but you know, they have a commitment to defense and you know that they're tough, right? And they got, and they got some guys with, you know, real scars on that team that have been through the wars, whether it's Dragic, Butler, Iguodala, you know, They've got guys. I don't think I like this version of the Heat as much as last year's. Just because, you know, they had the they had the Crowder crew and it, like they they were but they did were you, rough do you and not like do you not like this Miami crew as much as how we remember the Heat crew in the bubble? Because like going into the bubble, I don't That's think right. you know, like the expectations weren't that they would do what they did and be the no, team. No, but that we they also were. did say that's the scary team. We did say that. We That's were true. talking about we that. We did say a lot. that. Yeah, we did the restart video last year yeah. about the heater, you know, could make some noise in the postseason, all that. They were a popular upset team. That's for sure. You're That's right, right about that. So yeah. people recognized it, and then it happened. This year, I think people recognize that it could happen, but are doubtful it'll happen. 
That's yeah. the difference because Brooklyn is the is the team that they are, and Milwaukee. Uh, I mean, they well, are awesome. they are much better. Drew Holiday's awesome. Like what an addition for them. That's right. I mean, I mean, it goes without saying. We talked about it all year, but the benefits of that probably won't show up until the postseason. Right. And do they? You know, is Oladipo awesome? Do they get the amazing Dragic? I mean, Dragic yeah. led that team in scoring. He was awesome last year, yep. right? So it's a different, right? Like, is there a circumstance where we look and we say, okay, the the leading scorer in the playoffs for the Miami Heat is Goran Dragic? That seems very far fetched, right? At this point, I would think I, I, uh, it could happen, I guess. But he was just so awesome last year, all year, and then especially when they got into the bubble. And so, I suppose he could. But he was, I, I he was sneaky, vastly underrated last year, because um, I don't think most people realize he was their leading scorer, and it showed up big when they played against the Lakers, to say the least. And plus, with him, he's a former All Star that kind of yeah. refound his All Star form That's right. in the bubble. Like he was performing at his peak level. It was, it was That's right. awesome to watch that. All right, Chris, I got a little pop quiz question for you related to your. Jimmy Butler comment with him only having 14 three-pointers. Right. This season, 44 players are averaging over 20 points. How many of them? I got to name them all. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Where does Butler rank in made three-pointers of those players of the 44? I'm going to say it's at the very bottom, but I'll say it's not the very bottom. That There's, there's going to be some big guys that... Are ahead, so I'll say 40th, 43rd. Only Zion, oh wow, is under Butler with, with eight, and then you get 80 with 17, DeRozan at 18, Sabonis at 36, and Bede at 38. Like the po- point I'm getting at is here is like it gets up pretty quickly. Like, Wait, Sabonis, Zion has only hit eight threes, only, this only eight for Zion. What did yes. he hit? Remember that first game of the season, and he knocked some down. I thought. Didn't he knock some down like at the debut, like that first ESPN yeah, game? Yes, last season he had four. Oh, it was, it was last was, season. Last, okay, last season when he first he made his debut. his debut, which is so funny that he, <laughs> had, that he had four in his first game, and yes. ever since then he only has ten. <laughs> but Zion shooting a good percentage though, like thirty-eight percent from three for his career. It's not like Zion has low three-point shooting numbers. It's just he's a dominant. How many force. has he attempted this year? This season, Zion is eight of twenty-three from three-point land. Eight of twenty-three. So, of twenty-point scorers, Zion and Jimmy Butler are outliers compared to everybody else. That is unbelievable. <laughs> Today's episode of the Mismatch is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Tired of paying for cable TV? Switch to Hulu Plus Live TV today to watch over ninety-five live channels for sports news, shows, and more. Plus, you'll get access to Hulu's entire streaming library with access to Disney Plus and ESPN Plus all in one plan. No long-term contract, no hidden fees, and no clunky cable box. Get Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. You know what's crazy? So I watched that Heat game against the Warriors, and then I flipped over because our our ritual is when we're just sitting around we'll just uh we'll keep the scoreboard up and then we just flip to whatever's close these games were crap last night like by and large most of them were huge margins so the only close game 
was the Pelicans Magic game. And you and I had been tagged on some tweet about Mo Bamba. And I was like, well, hell, if Mo Bamba's playing, I was like, I'll flip it on there. And then you watch it, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is going on here? Uh, I watched for like the first, you know, whatever, first three minutes of our viewing. And then finally I go and check the box score. I'm like, bro, is nobody playing? And no Lonzo, no Zion, no Ingram in that game. Uh, Chasen Randall is playing point guard for Orlando. Um, Josh Hart, you know, 47 minutes. Eric Bledsoe, yeah. 46 minutes. And it went to overtime, by the way, but yeah, still. They got, they got these new guys. <laughs> but my guy, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Ooh. he had the team to himself. <laughs> he, he hit a or he missed a critical free throw at the end of that game, which I hated that that happened for him yeah. because he was big time mm-hmm. during this game. I loved seeing it. And it was kind of like, Hey, no, no Lonzo, no Ingram, no Zion. Let's go here. It's my show. We, t- um, we, we talked about him Tuesday, right? We yeah. did. And it's still going Orlando. I'm going to tell you something, Kev. They, have this weird deal where they got rid of these guys. Like they got these two wins and they beat the Clippers. And then last night they beat the Pelicans. Now I know it's not the same as beating the Pelicans with all their guys, but I'm watching, I was watching on their feed. Boy, I tell you this, their announcers by the end of the game, like their post game walk-off interview was a uh, Wendell Carter who was awesome down the mm, stretch. 21 points, 8 of 13, 12 rebounds, 2 assists. They Woo. love him. <laughs> like, this is Wendell Carter honeymoon times a thousand. Mm. You know, I mean, if you ever heard the kid talk, he's a great interview. Yeah, he is. He's intensely likable. And, you know, he's played. Uh, he was just awesome for them down the stretch last night. And they really like, you know, kind of what he's brought to the table for them. And so it's always, it's always kind of fun. You know, I mean, I know it sucks to be a, a magic fan right now, right? Cause your team just got stripped up. Now you're doing a rebuild again, whatever, but it's always fun when you attain some guys that are actually going to be able to play for you and do something. And uh, the Wendell Carter thing was fun. You know, they closed the game with him. Um, and I, I was thinking you you and I both were very high on him. You higher than even I was uh, coming into the draft. And I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that we look back in three years and go, you know, not that it was a bad trade, but that the magic that that, that at the time, the Vooch trade, as it was termed, w- might have been undersold a little bit because This kid is still just scratching the surface of what he could be. And he's a good defender, too. He is a good defender uh, for that team. He's a positional guy. Yeah. Over time, you hope that that can develop into, you know, consistent production. And for Orlando, man, Wendell Carter, it's like we said on the inverse with the Chicago trade. They traded Wendell Carter and picks for Nikola Vucevic, who is kind of the guy that you hope Wendell Carter someday becomes you know, on the offensive end of the floor, except with better defense, because that's what Carter could be. He's still super young. And you look at this Magic team, there's a lot of quality players who can potentially impact winning. I know that's like a real loaded sentence there, but Chuma Okiki, Chris, he didn't shoot the ball. I was high on him. I loved him at Auburn. I loved him. Me too. Me too. And he missed his first year with the injury. I was texting with Kevin Clark from the ringer last night. World's number one Magic fan. Yeah. (laughs) And he's like, Okiki's not shooting the ball. 
that well tonight, but he's just such a joy to watch. And it's true. Like Hokiki, he does not need to score to make a winning impact because he does it with defense, with energy, with tip outs and rebounds, rotations, communication. He does everything on the floor for you. And with the magic, they have some of those guys like Jonathan Isaac someday comes back. It would not shock me if, uh, you know, you got to see him a little bit last night and and he was pretty good in his Denver. It's not going to surprise me if RJ Hampton's a player. Me neither. He's raw, but someday. Yeah, he may end up being a player now. Um, he's good. I mean, he's he can play. And so you could see he's at least one of those guys that I could see developing into something that is maybe. A, I mean, he was a huge, huge high school recruit, recruit, right? And we've just got that one year where he was kind of out of sight, out of mind for everybody uh, playing in New Zealand. And so I, you know, th- I think people, is, sometimes you do need to go back and say, people right out of high school thought this kid was going to be very special and destined to be a, a very long-term and possibly extremely good NBA player. Um, and sometimes it just, you know, some something takes a bump in the road and and we look back and go, well, that was the evaluation on him once upon a time. You know who that happened with uh earlier this week when I was reading an article was uh the the guy that um the one that had 19 rebounds in the first half, Moses, Moses Brown. Moses Brown, right? You go back and look, this guy was a huge recruit, Kevin. He's a five-star, like Five five star McDonald's All American like you all of it right the same way we evaluate guys when they're at that age and then he comes in and he plays and ninety nine percent of the basketball viewing public watches that and goes who in the hell is Moses Brown because he didn't do anything of count you know since high school and if you weren't if you don't follow high school. You know, it's not that big of a deal. It was okay. It, you know, it, it, like this team didn't do much at UCLA. And so he just kind of shows up and it's like, geez. And now, then you go back and you realize this ain't just some kind of like fight your way to the NBA story for Moses Brown. This guy was supposed to be awesome when he was leaving high school. You know, it, it, everything you just said, like the, the critique of Moses Brown in high school was effort and, mm. you know, intensity and all that, like it is for a lot of bigs. And yep. you watch him at OKC, that would not be your thought with the way yep. he rebounds and the effort no. he puts in with the intensity on the floor. And it, while you were talking, I was just thinking about Christian Wood, you know, another guy who, you know, he wasn't necessarily as highly recruited as Moses Brown, but who in college, you could see the potential. You could see what he could be. If only he had a higher basketball like you, if only he tried harder, if only if he was more consistent. And now he has become that guy. And it's so hard for people to change the way they're wired like that. But hopefully Moses Brown can keep doing it. He's already been rewarded with the short-term contract with OKC, like the life-changing money. It's not like it's, it's not like it's on tens of millions, right. but it's millions. Yes. <laughs> it's life-changing money. And yep. Christian, we're getting his big deal with Houston. So it just shows the power of effort and intensity and, true and no matter what you do and especially true if you're trying to be an NBA player there's only so many jobs you got to give it your all and Moses Brown's a good example I have an amazing story 
uh, about this, about another kid who was once a five-star recruit who has not found that in the same way that Wood did, in the same way that Moses Brown did. And I hope he does one day because he's a really sweet kid. But Deontay Davis, who was oh, that's a, a high, great example. High, high draft pick yeah, for the Grizzlies. Example. And here's mm. a great story. So Deontay Davis went to Michigan State. You know, some people thought he could be in the lottery. He ends up falling all the way down. Famously on draft night, he just was super perturbed about the way it all went. Um, he ended up, you know, not even finishing out basically a rookie contract. He moved on from the Grizzlies, <laughs> went to another team, and then he's yeah. been kind of G League in and whatever since. But I was at his second year in the league, I was at Summer League. And th- he's not going to mind me telling this story uh, at this point. We're, we're, it's it's water under the bridge. But at that point, the guy who is now the president of the Detroit Pistons, Ed Stefanski, was in the front office for the Grizzlies. And I'm at the small gym in Vegas at Summer League. And we're talking about like the team that they've got out there. And I said, you know, what drives me crazy about you know, Deontay is like, I really do. Cause I love the kid. I said, I feel like I could go in that locker room right now. And I could say, Deontay, I'll bet you 50 bucks. You won't grab 15 rebounds tonight. And he, I guarantee you, he would win that bet because he would want to prove me wrong. What he doesn't realize is there's a hundred million dollars on the line if he just goes out and does that. But the instant thing is if I told him, I bet you 50 bucks, you can't grab 15 rebounds in this game. I totally believe I would lose that bet. And <laughs> I'll never forget this. Ed Stefanski, you know, he did, he looked at me and he goes, go bet him. <laughs> That's I, said, gonna, I said I'm not gonna go. He's like, I'd love to see you too, <laughs> right? Because so these funny. guys, they're they, you know, their jobs are on the line when when draft picks, you know, especially ones that they've really gone to the uh, to the tilt for when it came to. Uh, that war room. And so everybody was, a you know, you all wanted it to happen. But to your point, that's the difference between guys. Moses Brown decides, I'm going to go and I'm going to get every friggin' rebound. And he just does it now. He just does it. You ever watch the show Ted Lasso, Chris? I haven't yet. I want to. Oh, it's so great, man. I've heard so many good things. And I love him. I love Sudeikis. Yeah. I He's loved him awesome. on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. I love, I mean, I still go back and watch a lot of those like old skits that he was in. The, mm-hmm. I mean, the A-holes is like seriously. <laughs> like the A-holes go to a travel agency. Him and Kristen Wiig, when they were the couple, I mean, I love, I, I think he is legit hilarious. He, he and is. So, and in Ted Lasso, he is legit hilarious. He's also legit inspiring. Every yeah. episode has the deepest life lessons full of wisdom. Yeah. And, there's, and, and like, it, just the scene, what you were talking about reminds me of a scene in the show. I'm not going to say anything. I don't want to spoil it for you or anybody listening to the show. But watch Ted Lasso. It's I'm going one, to. It's one of the best seasons of television I've ever seen in my oh, entire wow. life. Oh, wow. What a yet. review. Ever, Chris. And, and you I'm loved not, it. I'm not one to like exaggerate my yeah. feelings about TVs or mo- movies or whatever that I watch. Like This is legit one of the best seasons of television I have ever watched. Wow. Ever. And what a review. 
I, I loved every moment of it. Kevin it O. Me, Ebert. It, it made it made me tweet about it at three a.m. in the morning when I finished binge watching it after like three four days. <laughs> it's three so great, Chris. But yeah, watch the show and then. Come back to me whenever you do. You'll know the scene that I'm talking about. All right. In terms of uh, motivations. <laughs> let's get to a couple other guys that have been on new teams. Uh, you are over the moon. Maybe not Ted Lasso over the moon, but you are over oh, the moon not. about Aaron Gordon and how that oh. looks in Denver uh, so pretty far. Pretty close. Pretty yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> pretty close. <laughs> you are pretty close. You're excited yeah. about the way he looks. And look, there was... Uh, of course, the highlight that went around everywhere last night in their game against the Clippers where Jokic is doing the Jokic thing. He's handled the ball. And if if you cut to the basket, he will find you. Oh, yeah. Um, and he finds Gordon running the baseline. Gordon has that reverse dunk that uh, makes the highlight rounds everywhere last night. But, uh, you know, you were a big promoter of this. You really liked uh, the idea of Gordon, but it's all the idea is always different than what it looks like in practice, but the instant reviews as we speak on these different uh, ways, these uh, new players are impacting their teams. Instant reviews for Gordon in Denver are very, very good. I mean, about the only negative thing you can say is he's shooting 25% from three. That's right. Pretty much it. And you yeah. hope those shooting numbers go up to at least career averages, hopefully back to what he did in Orlando this year. But the number one thing is the defense, Chris, we saw it against Kawhi Leonard last night. It reminded me so much of what we talked about after the deal was made about what he did against Kawhi during Orlando's 2018-19 playoff run where it's like, whoa, this guy can be locked down in games that matter. Well, last night he was playing like a game that mattered and he made life hard on Kawhi Leonard, one of the world's best scorers. Says a lot to me. This Denver team is going to be a tough out in the postseason. They're going to be a really tough out. And if anybody's hurt even a little bit, I feel like, you know, ankle injury for LeBron or AD, like they'll be very clearly the best team in the West. If that's the case, well, if they're healthy, that's a different conversation, but they're, either way, they're going to make it hard on everybody in the Western conference with this group. All right. Let me say off the bat. I agree with you. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate. Okay. Two things. Number one, the same way you talk about, you know, if if the other teams get banged up, that they could be, uh, they could slip in there and be a real, real problem. If anybody in that starting lineup get banged uh, up, it is a problem. And mm. the other thing, and again, these are small things. I said off the bat, I agree with you. I'm just going to play this devil's advocate. And, and maybe there will become truth to this. But when you look at something like last night, that is them playing against an extremely good team, right? They're the cost of making some of the moves that they made is the depth, right? Well, we talked about this at the beginning where it was like, that's what happens when you acquire guys that are on contracts, you end up losing some depth possibly on your team. And, and that was the whole deal with Brooklyn, right? It's like, okay, you've got these amazing players, but here's here might be an Achilles heel. They really do not have depth on that Denver team. Um, and they, in a season where you are playing so many games in a short amount of time, just if you pull up last night's box score, Kev, you just look at those minutes. 39 for Gordon, 39 for Murray, 36 for Jokic, 35 Barton, 32 Porter. That catches and only nine up, guys man. played. Nine guys played. I mean, when you're at right, nine guys played, but your lowest starter total was 35. 32. 
32 for Porter oh, 30, Jr. Yeah. 32 yep. for Porter Jr. And then the and they really didn't bring they got they got the you know they got the little guy uh uh Campazzo and they've got uh PJ Dozier who you know at least had Solid a player. moment or two for him last year but they they don't have much. You know Chris I mean, I, I I know you're playing as devil's advocate. I agree with you, too. I want to make sure I rephrase what I said. I'm not saying they would be the favorite. What I mean to say is they're right there with those other teams, including Utah and Phoenix and both L.A. teams. The L.A. LA teams have higher upside than anybody else, but Utah and Phoenix are real threats as well. Um, and Denver should be right there. I mean, I know they go off to a very slow start during the season, opposite of you know Utah and Phoenix, but the team we've seen more as of late, I believe this to be the real Nuggets team. This is the real Nuggets team, and they're even better with the Gordon addition. It gives them what they lacked, that yeah. big, strong defensive stopper. And he, we saw the issues that he can create. It's not like Kawhi's not going to get his. He did. Um, but Gordon can make it hard on, a, on somebody in a playoff series. I love this Nuggets team. They're fun, man. Yeah, on the flip side, the, the Clippers are one of those teams that the whole year they've been like in the top three. And yet, you know, it, if, if it, what happened last year against uh that team it, it, that what happened last year is just impossible to erase from everybody's mind and so in any other scenario but instead it's like their losses are magnified like you look at their record is still fantastic but their losses are magnified it's like why aren't they doing this or you know do we believe in the clippers at all like in any other season we would look at them and we would say wow like let's just say this is the first year that they're running through it. But that bubble thing, I mean, they're just going to have to win at such a high level for people to believe in them because that collapse, I mean, I think that collapse was possibly the worst ever, seriously, in terms of where they were in that series and also our expectations of them. You know, people thought that it was going to be either them or the Lakers. They certainly thought we were destined for a Western finals that feature both those teams for a whole year. And then it just, you know, they just fell apart completely. Um, but they have not been bad. I do wonder they spent that fortune and they've gotten beat up over the, you know, Kennard thing. I let me, I, I hear up my devil's advocate on that. Why don't they play him more? Like I, I was looking it up and I'm like, has he been bad this year? Do you know that this season Luke Kennard is shooting 48% from the field and 47% from three. That's what he's doing for the Clippers. He just got done in the month of March. He averaged uh, almost 11 points a game shooting 56% from the field and 60% from three. <laughs> Like it is weird. That, it like, is weird. Yeah. I mean, what the hell? The guy just shot fifty six percent and sixty percent for three from the month, and it's like he's like a. I mean, they treat him like he's a you know second year player in the league that some nights he'll play eight minutes or some nights he play. It's just bizarre to me. It is weird because you know recently he had that big game offensively. Yeah, earlier this week, a couple of them. And earlier this week, he had a really strong defensive game against the Bucks. A really strong defensive game on and off the ball. And then you look at the box score, and it's like fifteen minutes. 
strange. It, it's just, it is strange. Because this is like one of those games, obviously, we just saw. You see how many minutes all those Nuggets guys played. Like, this is one of those games that you circle, right? You got a bunch of these games. Some of the games you're going to end up punting. Your guys are going to be there. But everybody was there playing for these teams last night. And it is one of those that you do, you know, give it your best because you know you might face this team. It's very likely that you could face this team, you know, come playoff time. And so you want to get a feel and want it to be a great game. And it's like, did we? Did you just, just play that like you would a playoff game? Because what the hell? Like, I don't understand. He's, Ty Lue sometimes, he does this old school shit where it's like, he just, I don't know. He does the big guy stuff, but then when it's when it when it, he likes that, but then it, when it requires that you try to like go big, then a lot of times in those scenarios he'll end up like going small. Um, like I remember, there's a game against Brooklyn earlier this year, and he just tries to match up with them, you know, uh, going small. And I'm like, you can't, you can't win like this against this team. Like the only way is if you try to like punish them on the boards and you try to like make sure that they never get an offensive rebound and you get a bunch of offensive rebounds. Therefore you take more shots. And I know, you know, Ibaka wasn't, you know, in the mix last night for them, which matters, but still the canard thing is bizarre because he's a free agent that everybody said that sucks, but it doesn't match up. When you go look at his numbers, you sit there and you go, why doesn't this guy play more? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's had some fit issues, chemistry issues. And yeah. like, it, it hasn't been perfect. Like, I, I think it's been tougher than the, num- than the numbers indicate. And Clippers fans definitely recognize that too. The growing pains with integrating him into the team with this funky mix, you know, on, on that roster. But I do think, you know, Ty, this, this team in a sense, Ty Lue, it feels like it has, is throwing darts sometimes, mm. figuring out the lineups that work together. They've had some guys in and out. Paul George, obviously, right now dealing with the toe issue that's clearly limiting his performance. But Ty Lue does deserve some credit here for figuring out how to use Terrence Mann. Terrence yep. Mann's been very, very good for the Clippers with 18 good. points last night. He had a 23-point game earlier in the week. He's consistently doing the little things on the team, screening and rolling as a guy who's only six foot five, much like we've talked about with Bruce Brown and the Nets earlier this season. I love the way they're utilizing him all over the floor offensively and defensively. He's rock solid can defend multiple positions for you. He's reliable. He's steady. He communicates. He's in the right position. So, you know, Lou has been some issues with Kennard getting him worked in properly, but with Terrence Mann, they've really figured out how to do things properly with him. And now you're going to integrate Rondo into the rotation. Maybe. Once he's ready to play, there's a lot of guys that deserve minutes on this team. I look forward to seeing how it, you know, ends up falling through. Yeah. Entering we the haven't seen Rondo yet. You haven't no. seen Rondo yet. And it is fascinating. You know, anybody could go pull these up, but there were a bunch of quotes earlier this week from Lou Williams. He finally talked about, it. he talked about how difficult it was yeah. for him. He felt like, you know, they kind of built something there. Um, he, he and, 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 and Pat Bev were like the longest tenured guys. The, the way they willed that team to the playoffs a couple of years ago, kind of, you know, felt like they, they flipped that from what had been, you know, this losing situation to more of a winning culture, um, which enabled them to get, guys that really wanted to be there. Um, 
But he talked about, you know, Pat Beverly talking to him and him and Pat Bev and Matres and, and whatever. And I couldn't help as I'm reading all of the quotes, thinking about what we talked about post. And this got less attention than uh, it normally would when a good team fails. Everybody always wants to find out what happened, what happened, right? And there were just those, there were those stories that came out about the whole, you know, they, they really catered to Kawhi. He bought a house in San Diego. Many times they're sitting around, they're all waiting on a plane, you know, for him to get to the plane because he lives two hours away. And like just from the athletic, that story, I believe, right? It painted this picture of a frustration from guys that had been there, longer tenured guys. And it, I couldn't help but think as I'm reading that, bro, they've gotten rid of every one of your asses. They got rid of Lou. Yeah. They got rid of Trez. And now they're replacing Pat Bev. That's what they did at that trade deadline. And so, like, they just moved into this new, this is, I mean, it's Kawhi and it's Paul George and for better or for worse. But, like, that, the the guys that were the Clippers that, like, kind of established something a few years back, it felt like when you read that, read between the lines, and maybe you didn't even have to read between the lines, that they were all like rather resentful about the way that like, hey, what about us, right? Like, why is, you know, we're like, we've been here five, six years. We just made the playoffs or whatever. And now like we're sitting around waiting on a plane for two hours so that, you know, the king can arrive or whatever. <laughs> and I, I just felt like there was resent from those guys in that locker room. And there was obviously a fracture that took place in that locker room because of that resent. But uh, you want to talk about a stars league, those dudes, they're all out. And, and Pat Bev's going to lose his job. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't go that far with Patrick Beverly. He's still going to have a role on the team. You think he's going to be a starting point guard? Hell no. I mean, starter bench. I mean, I don't know. He's still going to have a role on the team. Even in last night's game, you could see him from the bench talking with Rondo a lot, showed the camera, showed them. So, you know, I, I do think that with Patrick Beverly still going to have a role on the team. It's just a matter of what. Like, it's sort yep. of, we've talked a lot recently, like really the whole season, Chris. We've talked about the theme of having offensive variety with the lineups that you use. And Ty Lue and the Clippers, the amount of depth that they have, can play different styles. Sometimes Zubots is going to play 30 minutes. Sometimes Zubots might get a DNP or play only 10 minutes off the bench. Like they can play different lineups for different situations and different types of teams. And that could work to their advantage in the playoffs. If they can fix the it factor, the intangibles, like what's been missing from them. Um, So we'll see how that works out. But I I think Ty Lue has a lot of options on his plate and Patrick Beverly will part of some of those equations for sure. Today's episode of The Mismatch is brought to you by USAA Insurance. When you're a homeowner in the military community, peace of mind is priority. And USAA Homeowners Insurance has the award-winning service to give you just that. They'll help you protect your home and what's inside of it at the high standard their members have grown to expect. If you have to file a claim, the process is transparent and easy. And you can do it all right in the USAA app. And they offer many discounts to help their members save. That could put your wallet at ease, too. Visit USAA.com slash homeowners to learn more. Eligibility restrictions apply. USAA means United Services Automobile Association and its affiliates. San Antonio, Texas. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. 
With the Power's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. Uh, a couple other things we do want to mention. Uh, Andre Drummond got his toe stepped on like immediately as soon as he became a Laker by Brooke Lopez. They said it ripped his toenail yeah. off. And I was like, oh my God. That, that, that happened sounds- to me before too. I lost my toenail. When I was like 11 years old or something like that. It takes a long time to grow back. <laughs> sounds intensely painful. It is painful. Yeah. Yeah. And so the news is not that he's going to be out for a super long time, but just it's deal like, with it. okay, we, yeah, well, it's all, it's something yeah. to deal with. And we just didn't get to see it. Like, how do we know? We don't yeah. know how Drummond looks on the Lakers. And obviously, you know, whatever he looks like now playing with Dennis Schroeder or Kyle Kuzma is a much different role than he'll play when they get uh, LeBron and AD in the mix. Um, Stephen A. Smith went on ESPN and opined that uh, Brad Stevens uh, uh, Brad Stevens is not for long in Boston, possibly. He said Stevens doesn't have the pulse of the team. That's the way you put it, right? Yeah, Yeah. and so look, uh, people can roll their eyes, write things off just as, you know, oh, this is the first takeization and this is just him throwing something out there or whatever, but it Anytime, anytime a team does not uh, live up to its expectations slash potential, that's when the finger pointing starts, right? And so you have, is it is it the players or is it the coach? And we we kind of make it like, okay, well, there's only... There's only two things here, right? It's either it's either the player's fault or it's the coach's fault, and then people take sides and they decide: is it the player's fault or is it the coach's fault? And feels like the I mean, the first real time where somebody mentions something like now, let me say off the bat: I think Brad Stevens is an outstanding coach, and I think it's stupid that he. I'm saying I'm not saying that he wouldn't be under fire because that's the nature of the NBA. I'm saying I think Brad Stevens is an outstanding basketball coach. That's what I'm saying. Um, that being said, look, when you underwhelm, that's when finger pointing starts. And so here we are with Brad Stevens, a guy that just a few years ago, people were saying they would rather have him than top five draft picks or Which whatever. Which was crazy talk at the time. It is, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's definitely crazy talk now. But, how how yeah. far are we fallen? Oh boy. But, uh, it was like, how many guys would you want over Brad Stevens? That, that or, never should have been a conversation yeah. in the first place. But <laughs> I mean, I understand what Stephen A. Smith is saying. I look at it a little bit differently, Chris. Uh, like the Celtics have no pulse to feel. Like you can't feel the pulse if there is no pulse. And I have a hard time putting that all in the coach. Brad Stevens deserves some part of the blame, just like he deserves some part of the credit for the success when things are going well. I just have a hard time pointing at the finger primarily at him here. I, and I go back to what we've talked about all season long, what Danny Ainge has said in his weekly radio interviews with Toucher and Rich. This week, Danny Ainge said, 
Brad has zero responsibility for us shooting five for 34 from three last night, most of them being open shots. He doesn't have responsibility when players improvise and are playing with a lack of emotion after they miss shots. The only thing he could do is yank his best players out of the game and go with other players. That's the only option he has. And then he goes into a bit more about how everybody everybody deserves credit and blame and all that. Obviously, I agree with him completely. Me too. Um, Also, let's be honest. It's his fault. It's what is his fault. Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. Yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Bro, it's his fault that they got to the trade deadline and could maybe get guys and they didn't get any. They couldn't get any of them because they didn't have nothing to trade because they haven't drafted anything. It's in Jalen that anybody wants to trade for, and you could try to wedge Time Lord down my throat if you want to, but like they don't have... Time Lord's pretty good, Chris. But, <laughs> but nobody's giving up Aaron... He can't be the... He can't be like, yeah. oh, wow, I'm going to get Aaron Gordon uh, back in a deal. I'm giving you Time Lord as as a guy, right? Like, not only... I'm look, giving you Time Lord. There's some of these things that he has made his bet on now, uh, Kevin. You think, you think Danny H calls Robert Williams Time Lord in trade negotiations? I don't know, but I know... <laughs> I know that even if people want to just say, oh, it's the business, whatever, players reacted very poorly to the Isaiah Thomas thing. They hated that. They didn't like when it happened. That's a long time ago now. But it also is this mercenary type. Danny Ainge works like that, and he is like a a mercenary type. Uh, I will. He tells players, "I'm, I'm out there looking for somebody to replace you. Like he says that to him all the time. Tony Allen's told me. Like, he, like that's just how he rolls, right? And yeah. it's like a motivational tool, oh, whatever. It's honesty too, yeah. But it's also honesty, right? I'm trying to, yeah. and so I, I'd rather that, that than be told otherwise. Pers- personally, I can't, you know, speak for anybody else. But the else. other thing is, Kevin, these guys have these guys have, have have moved on, right? Like, and Gordon Hayward moved on, and and Al Harford moved on, and like they had guys that moved on. They hadn't brought in, you know, another free agent. The Kemba thing has not worked out as well and look it, you know if you look at uh, look at Charlotte like Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier playing pretty damn good there for those teams right like so they have had players go elsewhere that have had success and they don't have anything anybody wants to trade for outside of their two awesome guys uh and Marcus who he doesn't want to give up but he are and, and as I chronicled a couple of weeks ago, people could say whatever they want. It affected them when Marcus was hearing his name all of the time. It's just the way it is. Um, and look, they, I, I don't know how Brad Stevens is responsible for uh, when you look up and down that roster, and they're light. After it, after you get through about really three guys, and that's including Marcus Smart, and maybe if you want to throw Kemba in there, but Kemba in conjunction with his contract, I'm not sure. You know, it's not like anybody's lining up to trade for him. You know, so to your point about Danny Age, it's also hard to put it all on Age, but like the fact you can't put it on one person is part of the bigger issue here. So like we haven't gotten to the players yet either, but with Danny Ainge, like in an alternate universe somewhere, Chris, somewhere out there in the universe, Kyrie Irving recruits Anthony Davis to the Celtics, which was part of the plan. And they have AD and Kyrie Irving and Jason Tatum, and they might be the champion, championship favorite. 
in an alternate universe somewhere, Kyrie doesn't leave and he recruits AD. That could have happened. Uh, things did not go as planned. You know, they still have two of the best young players in basketball. Brown, who's 24, Tatum, who's 22. I still look at the Celtics and I'm like, oh, yeah, they have a bright future ahead of them. It's just the expectations of this team are we're thinking about a team that overachieved the last four years. They went to three of the last four Eastern Conference finals this year's team. They have attempted the 10th most isolations in the league, according to second spectrum, but they're 27th in efficiency, 10th most ISOs, 27th in efficiency. Tatum is one of the least efficient ISO scorers in basketball this year. Mid-season, they asked Jalen Brown to shoot less from mid-range and shoot more threes to up his efficiency even more. Kemba, we've been through him plenty of times with his inefficiencies this year and his problems. The Celtics, for whatever reason, and this is why people are blaming Brad here, they're just not playing in their motion, read and react, you know, with dribble handoffs and everything else in the same way that they have in the past. Why is that? I don't know. We've talked about their chemistry issues before. We've we've talked about the COVID issues, guys being in and out of the lineup, the lack of consistency. During a year like this, I have a hard time saying about any coach or any team, like time to press reset or drastically shuffle the deck here because this is just such a weird year. It just is. And I, I know, I know it, like it's the circumstances are what they are. But every team is affected differently. Every person individually is affected differently. And so with this Celtics team, I, I, I don't think that they should suddenly try to change everything. But there are changes that need to be made that have been made apparent. And that ultimately comes down more to, to Danny Ainge more than anybody else. The players need to be better for all the reasons he's talked about, for all the reasons we're talking about. Brad Stevens needs to figure some things out given the circumstances and Danny age does need to find more depth and reshuffle the deck here, but I don't think it needs to be any dramatic overreaction when you still have Brown who's 24 and Tatum who's 22. There's still a lot to feel good about with that Celtics team, Chris. Yeah, they did a good job building around those guys or building a conjunction with those guys when those guys were on smaller contracts, but the preparation for be different when now. they're, yeah. when, you know, because you have to be great at the margins when you have guys yep. that you are paying a fortune to. Big You've difference got now. To, to be able to, you know, yep. whether that's drafting guys, whether that's getting buyout guys, whether that, however that is happening, when you're spending a lot on three guys, then that depth, that's where it's truly the challenge because you got to have other players that could truly outperform their contracts and, the, and they don't have those anymore. And, 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 Look, when you've given Brad Stevens a good hand, he's been in the Easter Conference Finals, for God's sakes, right? When you've given him a bad hand, this this league is about players. And I think, again, if we're just doing the blame game, that's all I'm saying. People go, it's either, it's either the players or it's the coach, right? And there are many times sometimes where we sit there and we say, you know what, they could be better coached than what they are. Another guy could do a better job with this roster. I have a hard time believing that you're going to, you would replace Brad Stevens with that roster and you're going to, you're going to achieve something much greater than what you are achieving right now. So if the pendulum, I would just say it, it's much further on the, there's a roster problem than there is. There's a coaching problem.
He's got like he, he, he's got his credibility. And the other thing is, Brad Stevens would be unemployed for two seconds. So <laughs> that, I mean, that's all you yeah, need to know. Yeah, I have a question, Chris. This just came to mind. Yeah, if if like in Men in Black, I could erase your memory from every basketball season before this one. And if you started watching the Celtics team, same results, nothing's different. They're still up and down. They're still frustrating at times to watch. But if you forgot and didn't know about the Kyrie situation, the Isaiah trade, you know, all that, everything, the Gordon Hayward in- injury against Cleveland in his se- season debut, forgot about the three Eastern Conference finals runs. If you were to look at this roster, how would you feel about it? Not factoring in the past here, like, would it make sense what they're doing with this youth? All these young guys on the bench, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, Time Lord. Would it make more sense not knowing what happened in the past? Um, Considering Brown is 24 and Tatum is 22, would this make more sense if the past? No. no? Not to me. No. no. How come? I'm curious. Because I would say those guys are ready to win now in a way that younger players were not. And that's because they have those guys. When I talk about playoff scars, they had the benefit of taking those early. They have played in a lot of playoff games, Kevin, and high level playoff games. Right. And so the other thing is, okay, how, and we'll see how it plays out. How many of those guys that we're talking about, whether you know, name it. Obviously, Langford doesn't even play for him. But you know, the Peyton Pritchards and the go, go on down the line, Nee Smith and who Grant Williams or whoever. Right? If I say I, I'm trying to compete for titles. Right? How many of those guys do I think are tight rotation guys in playoff series when I'm winning at the highest level? How many do I have? How many guys on my roster do I have that are for sure those guys are in the game with five minutes left in the fourth quarter of a high stakes game? Because I mean, Time Lord can't be there. He's, yeah. he's going to miss the he's going to miss the free throws. So, how many guys do I have that are on that team that I think are in that spot? Some inevitably will develop into it. Some will not. But they got what? Three? I mean, I think Time Lord could be out there. He shoots 64% from free throw line. It's not like he's 40%. But, I mean, I, I disagree there, Chris. And the reason why I ask that is because they have overachieved. It is abnormal for a team with such young players to go to three out of four Eastern Conference Finals. That's unusual. It's more normal that a team is young and has ups and downs. And you're thinking, oh, when Tatum is 25 and, and Brown is 27, 28, then they'll be ready to compete for a championship. Usually that's the tone of the conversation. With this team, it's so different because of everything that they've done in recent years. And I left out Kemba. Yeah. Kemba yeah. deserves to well, be out there. Sure. Right? Yeah. But and like what they did happened, it's real. It's part of the equation. You can't erase it. But I'm just trying to think about it in that way, in the sense that like if you're building this team out, adding Nikola Vucevic would not have made them a finals contender this year. It just wouldn't have. It would have helped their chances. It would have made them better. But I don't think that addition alone would have made them the favorites. I don't think it would have made them better than Brooklyn or even Milwaukee and maybe not better than Philadelphia. They still might have been the fourth best team in the East at best. And if if championships are really the move here, 
I'm trying to forget about what led to this point and thinking about, well, what would I do from here? And I'm not sure they're going to have those pieces that you're talking about, Chris. I don't know how they do that. It's a lot harder to do when Tatum next season will be making his max. Brown is already making his max. It's going to be difficult. But I look at the deadline possibilities. I still think to myself, that's not the title move. And I'm not sure when that move will come. I'm not sure it'll, if it'll be there. It may never come. And in a couple of years, we could talk about Tatum and Brown being plucked from another team. That could happen. That's a possibility. But I, this team does have still a lot of promise with those guys. And I do like some of their young talent, especially Robert Williams. I still like Grant Williams, too. Peyton Pritchard looks like a solid backup point guard. This team is is just really, really frustrating to watch no, right no, now. And I, it's look, really frustrating. I, I don't want to look. I I am a Kemba Walker fan. I like the guy, right? But the truth is, he is now a player that if I said, "Hey, I'm shopping Kemba Walker," my phone doesn't Crickets. ring. It doesn't yeah. ring. You're wondering why nobody loves you and why nobody's texting you. Yeah, why? You... <laughs> why is my why is my phone? Yeah, I mean, they could he could leak that to Woj. The, yeah. the Celtics are yeah. willing to part with Kemba Walker, and Which the phone are. is just going to stay dormant. <laughs> yeah, that's a problem, right? Like yeah. if you you can't have that amount of money, it's one of the things we learned sunk into a guy that people would not want to trade for. The second you said, I. Those guys are like that. That's what happens with buyout guys. They become Lamarcus Aldridge and Andre Drummond and these guys that are like, okay, we we've got all this money, you know, tied up in this guy that we can't really get returned for. And and, and by the way, like it's like you said earlier about Danny Ainge. He's always trying to find somebody better. Of course, they're willing to part with Walker. Like it goes without saying 95% of the league, a GM is willing to part with a player. If maybe even 99% of the league, a GM is willing to part with a player. That's not necessarily news. It would be news. If a team had interest in a point guard, making $35 million while shooting below 40% from the field, that would be news. So if it comes to a point where a team actually has interest in trading for Kemba, it'll be a bit of a surprise to me, Chris. Yeah. Uh, let's get to a couple other things. You had a very good video on Patrick Williams, and we talked about how his uh how how good he can be in a short amount of time is oh, yeah. going to determine the Bulls, you know, destiny over the course of the next four or five years. Because can he be a guy that greatly outperforms his age, his uh, years of service in the league, whatever? Because there is this gap between kind of how old Vucevic is, how old Levine is, and then you have Williams as this guy that, you know, you hope, you fancy him as maybe being able to be the third piece there. Um, it's fascinating, I th- you know, in in, in your... In your video, I watched it. Uh, the Jalen Brown comp is kind of interesting to me, right? As a guy that, because I think Jalen Brown is so much better than people would have thought he was going to be his rookie season, right? Totally different player on the offensive end. Totally different player, yeah. right? And so could I foresee a circumstance where Patrick Williams becomes this kind of a guy that could be uh, a possibly a, a dynamic scorer and on a night give you 35 and a score in isolations or whatever else. Like it doesn't look like it now, but that's why I thought it was good for you to bring up Jalen Brown because it didn't look like that for Brown either. Right. And so do you have the requisite 
tools, capabilities. I thought the quotes you put in there, the kid watching games, you know, 10, 20 times, he said, you know, of Kawhi Leonard. And that's and real, too. He actually does that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's obviously somebody that's very, very serious about their craft. And so it stands to reason that he could, whatever his destiny is, uh, you know, safe bet would be, you want to bet on guys that are like that, that are already their rookie year doing film study and care deeply about being a great player in the league. I thought that showed an immense amount yeah. of maturity. And, and, you know, that's consistent with who he is as a person. And Jonathan Charks wrote a great feature on Patrick Williams before the draft that really detailed the character aspect. Just mm -hmm. the, this is somebody that you can you can bet on Patrick Williams to be as good as he can be. What level that is, who knows? Maybe yep. it's superstar player. Maybe it's very good player. Maybe it's one-time all-star. I don't know. But Patrick Williams is a worker and a smart worker who is going to maximize whatever his potential is. And that player could be the perfect complement to Zach Levine and the perfect complement to Nikola Vucevic at the time that they could be ready to actually make some serious noise. I mean, I, I love his game already. Uh, I love I love the mid-range style. I hope he expands it to three-point range. He's comfortable pulling up with a hand in his face. That's something you can't say for a lot of people. Being Getting contested does not affect his shot. It's just a matter of the ability to create that shot and improve his handle, which you mentioned Jalen Brown. It was the same thing with him. Jalen, you could always kind of see what he was trying to do. It's just he was so you know clunky with his handle. Patrick Williams is further ahead than Jalen Brown, I would say, as a rookie, as a ball handler. It's just he needs to add some more dynamic moves to his game to maximize on his fluidity and size and strength. But Bulls fans have good reason to love, love, love Patrick Williams. And then they can't get to mention his defense, too. Very versatile on defense, potentially down the line. Brings effort every night. I mean, what more do you want? What more do you want out of a young player right now in terms of and then thinking about what the player could be? It's a good time to to be a Bulls fan with also what they really get going promising on. that their their coach plays him. Yeah. Invests in him. Yeah. yeah. I mean, starts him. Yep. And he has started him. Right. I mean, you it's the best teacher is him getting out there and getting NBA minutes. And he has gotten NBA minutes. He has gotten NBA crunch time minutes. Um and he'll get even more, you know, as this as this as this year comes down, and he'll do it with a couple better players on the court. I love the clip. Uh, I went out. We were looking for quotes. Uh, me, Dylan, and Ronick. We do the videos together. We're looking for some quotes, and what, I saw the video of him giving his number to Nikola Vucevic. Yep, because he was wearing number nine all season long, and then switched to forty four. Vuce got nine, and like he said in the video, Vuce texted him, "You know, number nine means a lot to me. What would you want for it?" And and Patrick Williams is like, "You can just have it." And like the veterans on the team are like, "No, you get asked for money. You get asked for money." <laughs> and Patrick Williams like so so innocent as a young rookie. He's just yeah. like, oh. I don't know. It's just a number to me. When I was drafted, I told him just to give me a number. I didn't ask for a number. <laughs> it's, just, it's such a sweet thing to it's say. A, it is sweet, but <laughs> but I mean, I wonder if I wonder if fanatics on their jersey insurance. I hope that covers that. It, it'll. I mean, I think short term, if you are a Bulls fan who owns a number nine uh, Patrick Williams jersey, it probably hurts short term. But long term, that's a relic. You, you think were so? You were. I think so in the sense that if I'd want you, the, if I want the right number. I'd want the forty-four too. But if you also have the number nine Patrick Williams jersey, that means you were there 
you had his jersey <laughs> even before the Vooch trade. That's we call kind of the, cool, right? Yeah, what we, we call those uh, music festival jerseys. Yes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Did you wear it like Coachella? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, uh, or, or outside lands later this year. I'd love to go in October. Some yeah. I, 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 All vaccinated, go see Tame Impala play. Have you, seen, have you got to go see any concerts this year, Chris? I... You're, you're going you're to be calling me a concert again by the end of the year. <laughs> oh, look, as soon as they start having concerts again, I'll go. Yeah. Um, there hasn't been much scheduled in my area, honestly. Really? I see. Um, yeah. Not not yet. Um, but surely as soon as as soon as there are going to be some concerts, I'll get out there. Last thing, NCAA tournament final fours this weekend, Kev, and uh, of the draft risers, we kind of talked about this on Tuesday, but there is no question. There's always somebody that. You know, it's kind of projected maybe second round, late first round. And then by the time this whole thing's done, it's like, oh, wow, they've moved up to the the lottery or the top half of the first round. And that was, you know, uh, famously DiVincenzo, you know, a few years ago. When you're on an awesome team and you're on a huge stage, people start paying more attention to you. It feels like that guy is Mitchell for Baylor this year, right? Mitchell was not projected uh, as somebody that was like a, a lottery talent necessarily. And now I think it's pretty safe to say he's put himself firmly in that discussion. And who knows if they're able to knock off Houston. Um, likewise, maybe Houston, uh, you know, uh, he's a little bit older, but Quentin Grimes, who five-star recruit, went to Kansas. It didn't work out. He's been around a long time. Yeah, man. he's kind of found <laughs> his footing, though, with Houston. Like, it's mm. always... Some of these guys, though, that now get to the Final Four, and because the spotlight gets bigger, people start becoming more enamored. But it feels like Mitchell's the guy this year, wouldn't you say? No matter what happens uh, in the game tomorrow. I agree with you, for sure. I mean, it's like we talked about recently. (laughs) It's hard to be more comparable to Donovan Mitchell. (laughs) Yes, I know. 45, the the whole thing. 45, the height, the style of play, the herky-jerkiness. It's pretty weird. It's eerie in a way. I think I saw a tweet. (laughs) I think I'm pretty sure it was Damian Lillard tweeted Donovan Mitchell last weekend. It was like, yo, you play for Baylor too? Yeah, right. (laughs) Right? It's crazy. And Donovan I mean, Mitchell, it, said, it's, Donovan normally, Mitchell I, said, I have two years of eligibility. Yeah. <laughs> normally, I feel like comparing a guy with the last name Mitchell to another Mitchell or a guy wearing the same number is a lazy comparison, but this is an accurate comparison. Yeah. What do, <laughs> hey, what about, the, what about the UCLA guy, Johnny Jazang? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah. Paid attention to him. Because he was, you know, he was a Kentucky guy. Who transferred out there? What yeah, a great transfer, transfer that yeah. is! Golly, because mm-hmm. he he had they scored like was like fifty points the other night. He had twenty eight of them. I was like, man, put yourself on the map, kid. He he, he can shoot it sometimes too. Heck of a night. <laughs> you know what I mean, and look, Cal Perry doesn't recruit bums at uh at Kentucky. He's got a he's got a long list of guys that turned out pretty damn good mm-hmm. in the NBA. So maybe maybe we need to pay a little more attention to Johnny Jazang. I hadn't seen him on a lot of list either, but he may have put himself there just by getting to the final four. You know, it's been, it's been a fun, fun March madness. It's been weird without a Duke or Kentucky in there at this but, point. But I'm just kind of, I'm kind of hoping that Gonzaga just runs the table because they, they, like they really can get in a discussion as one of the greatest teams, if not the greatest team 
ever. And I know that sounds crazy, but Kevin, they have not played a game within double digits That's since nuts. December 2nd. That's nuts. That is I mean, nuts. you're going to throw, you're going to have a clunker at some point. You, you just are. You're going to not have it. You, like, you know, team doesn't have it for some reason, right? Especially in a season like this. Every single time they've beaten every team they've played by double digits, that is just warpath stuff. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, they really handled USC. Oh, my 19, God. 19.1 just handled them. Yes. They, they, they've handled everybody all year. And it hasn't stopped in the tournament. It's not like people are playing them close now. Like, like I said, December 2nd, to they play West Virginia. It's a five-point game. That's the only one. And they haven't lost a game in over 400 days because last season got, you know, done. It was like a close game to BYU. Other than that, they hadn't lost. Like what that guy, what that team is. I don't think it's probably got enough credit. Problem is they play at like freaking 11 o'clock at night. How soon until we see some uh, headlines? Could Gonzaga beat the Houston Rockets? Oh, God. (laughs) Not anymore. The Rockets got all these like veterans. Kelly Olenek and Avery Bradley. Not anymore. Yeah. Especially especially if Christian Wood's in the lineup. Yeah. Kevin Kevin Porter dropping 20 points. That's right. (laughs) I guess Cleveland's been the worst team. Even Kevin Kevin Love plays basketball. I saw last night. I had no yeah. idea. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's him he's and, back. Him and Delavidova were in the mix last night. I was like, <laughs> "What is going on?" Do you hear the announcer for the other team said, "When Delavidova sh- shoots, it looks like it hurts." I was like, oh, "Damn, God. man, <laughs> that, that's 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 hurtful." It, with Delavidova, <laughs> isn't it crazy? Like he's just been kind of out of sight, out of mind ever since LeBron was in Cleveland. I mean, he's a <laughs> gritty role player. You oh, know. Yeah. Had some moments That's for right. Cleveland. It's just kind of funny how how quickly things can change. How quickly things can change. Now he just pokes up Alex Caruso voodoo doll. Oh, God. <laughs> 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 oh, New God. Delhi, as they say. <laughs> New Delhi. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you to producer Sasha, as always. And we will talk to you next week. Have a fun, safe weekend, everybody. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com.